Good evening and welcome to Horror. I'm Lee. I'm Chris. And I am Adam. And the stars have aligned, as we promised. We are joined by friend of the podcast, Alex. Hey! Hey! Hello. <laughs> Greetings all. <laughs> Good to Alex, see you, sir. Thank you for joining us. Host. No, thank you for inviting me. <laughs> now, we last saw you, we had a, a little welcome to our party, didn't we? Yes. That was actually, yeah. that was actually quite a long time ago now. Yeah, I think they were for a year, I think. Yeah. yeah. Was it part? I don't even know if it was part of lockdown. It wasn't, was it? I think we so was it, it, oh, yeah. just before, yeah. maybe. Yeah, because yeah, we were sort of testing out how to do whether we could record mm. on Zoom, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Before it became a necessity. So it seems we were forward yeah. thinking. <laughs> like by, by about a week or so. That's, yeah. That's our timing. <laughs> I've got to be honest, it must have gone very well because it was one of those things where I woke up the next morning and thought, I don't know what I said after about 25 <laughs> minutes in. I hope we've got <laughs> listeners next week. <laughs> but it all went all right and everyone still came back. So I think we did all right. It's fine. Yeah, I, don't th- I don't think we got too yeah. offensive. Or any more than we usually do. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, uh, as mentioned previously, uh, Alex is a huge fan of the movie Jaws, uh, and we've been talking about doing it for a little while, so we thought we would bring Alex in uh, as, a, as a super fan, as it were. Uh, so, Alex, tell us a bit about yourself and horror, what sort of stu- stuff you watch and anything you've caught up with recently. Uh, well... Been a horror since a young age, I think. I'll sort of start with Doctor Who and things like that. Like the creepier <laughs> episodes. Sort of interest, yes. Like Tom <laughs> Baker years, etc. Oh, nice. And then uh, obviously Hammer Horror and things on the TV. I guess now the stuff I'm more into is like sort of folk horror is a big thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously I watch stuff that's got gore in and things, but I'm more interested in like this all creepier stuff. Mm. Or psychological yeah. stuff, I guess. Excellent. Um, yeah, she's always been a massive horror fan. And it seems to be very in vogue again now. You know, it went out quite a while. I was just like, oh. Yeah. That, that, since the world has turned into one big horror. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It does. I, it always... I, Sorry, I was just wondering if it's people working their way through Netflix. <laughs> I don't know. How, how long has Netflix been well, going yeah. About 10 years, so I wonder if it's like, right, I've watched everything else on here. What's this lot? Yeah. Suddenly they're like, what, just churning through all the horror films. And the good thing is, is if you're into binge watching, horror is definitely, yeah, definitely one to go with. How many, how many films in this series? 11. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah. That's going to seem for a week. (laughs) I think we all sort of tend to err more on. The creepier end. Over, yeah. Overall, it's certainly the ones we tend to rate the most. It's more the creepy end, and I don't think we've done much in the way of folk horror, bar the witch and yeah, I was Gretel and Hansel. Yeah, um, Midsummer. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Midsummer, yeah. 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 I, I genuinely forgot that that film existed that for a second, and I thought you were referring to when Lee talked about Midsummer Murders. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> That's what lockdown will do to you. You end up watching yeah. Midsummer Murders because you run out of anything else to watch on Netflix. 
So you're doing the other <laughs> way around on Netflix. You watched all the horror first. Yeah. So so, and then we went into lockdown. I was like, oh, shit, there's nothing left. <laughs> romantic comedies for the next six months. That's not good. <laughs> yeah, it's just a real comment, man. <laughs> Um, yes, so uh, we'll do our usual what we've been watching. So, Alex, have you seen anything recently that stood out that you'd like to recommend? Or Yeah, I watched very recently two sort of aquatic-based horrors, Shockwaves from the mm. 70s. Have you heard of oh, yes. <laughs> I'd, I'd not really heard much about it or seen it, and then somebody else on Instagram was raving about it, so I... Um, Sent off to a certain company, get a copy, <laughs> and uh, watched it last night. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to upset Jennifer. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that's a that's a clever man right there. Yeah, <laughs> mistake I've made many times. <laughs> so, what did you make of it? Yeah, really good. I really enjoyed it. I mean, I had that kind of like seventies sort of um, exploitation vibe, mm. but apparently. As the blurb on the front goes, it's the best of the Nazi zombie movies. <laughs> and I would have to say, um, <laughs> I mean, that particular it's, genre. It's the thing because you've got zombie, you've obviously got zombie Nazis, but then you've got aquatic zombie Nazis, which <laughs> yeah. is, you know, they've they've taken it to a whole new level. So. <laughs> and I see it's got Peter Cushing in it. Yes, it's got the Cush. Yeah, mm. released in the same year as Star Wars. Oh God! Yeah, and, it's, no. and it's one he of those weird, around, does he? Yeah, it's one of those weird moments <laughs> where you're like, "Yeah, that's like." <laughs> so you're in this wow. huge blockbuster yeah. and this sort of damp Nazi zombie film. <laughs> yeah, but it has got that. It's got that lovely. It has got that lovely seventies grain where you could you you almost could be watching a snuff film, where it's like you yeah. sort of, it feels grim enough that you're like, "There's yeah." You know, this they, they didn't put a lot of money into this, so but <laughs> and the soundtrack's just oh, yeah, yeah, fantastic. really good. Yeah, it's like generally creepy, like when they're actually like rising from the water and things, but yeah, that was Gives you that sort of deep watched, vibe, yeah, yeah. And I watched Humanoids from the Deep as well. Oh, oh nice. another ocean based. Yeah, that's um, that's good fun. So, um, I've still never seen grim shockwaves. Yeah, a lot, a lot of gore and boobs, basically. Sold. <laughs> yep, I was yeah. going to say that. Sounds <laughs> yeah. quite that's, what they should have, that's what they should have put on the cover, really. Just a lot of gore and boobs. <laughs> Siskel and Ebert. Yeah. <laughs> 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 But has got Doug McLuhan as well. He's like a complete legend. So, uh, oh wow, that helps. That helps sell it for me. <sighs> Excellent. I so say it must be good because um, Horror on Sea, which we go to every year, uh, have actually yeah. kind of repurposed the cover of it for their uh, flyers. So, oh really? It's one of, every Excellent. time I see it, I think I've got to watch it before next year, and then every yeah. year it goes out. So I haven't watched it, but I've just written it down as one to finish this week. Yeah, yeah, excellent. I need to. Yeah, I think it's um, 88 Films just released a nice Blu-ray version of it with all, you know, Ooh. extras and things. Yeah, good stuff. Oh, 
Excellent. We should jump on that. Fantastic. Um, Chris, have you seen anything? I, I have. Um, inspired by Alex's post on Instagram, Silent Running. I think mm. you said you were listening to Whoa. the soundtrack. So I thought, okay. And I'd, I'd seen it mentioned, I think, a week before. And so I thought, well, I've definitely got to check this out. And um, yeah, like it's it, it really is uh, quite an unusual concept in, in a way. Um, and the the main actor, uh, Freeman Bruce Dern. Lowell, Bruce Dern, yeah. Um, like he does play a great obsessive, you know, like his, his only interest is the plants, you know, and it's mm. like, that's, that's quite interesting because you think he's the good guy, but of course that sort of makes him a bit of a, a two-sided, you know, he's like, he is a bit of a problem to other humans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which, which isn't always ideal, but he's he's got you know a good aim. So yeah, no, that was that was fantastic. Um, and yeah, I can see why you're listening to the soundtrack. So like, even that that first opening sequence, I could just watch that over and over. It's like yeah, oh, is that, is that just the pan across the ship? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah it's wonderful. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, have you got any information? Oh, I've not looked into it fully yet, but um, just needed to remind myself of the. The cast, but yeah, who... I, I, I can give you one fact, Chris. That I know uh, the robots are all played by people with no legs. Yeah, it's people walking on their hands, that's how they did the little robots. Yeah, because mm. they do have a very unusual movement to them. Yeah, I was wondering how they'd achieved it. So, okay, well, that's that is a yeah, that's impressive. And unlike Battlestar Galactica with the monkey in a dog suit, they didn't kill anyone. So, you know. <laughs> nice. Do you remember um, Bruce Dern appearing in one of our previous films, Chris? Oh. Of course, yeah. Didn't. I, like, I, I sort of had a sense that I recognised him, but, you know, he, he, he looks pretty good, I guess. So you'd think he's, he's sort of memorable... But yeah, no, I can't actually think. He's uh, Rutherford Rumsfeld in the Burbs, isn't he? Yeah, Rumsfeld in yeah. the Burbs. Yes. Next to Carrie Fisher, no less. I'm gonna have to check this. <laughs> what? Was 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 the Carrie uh. mentioning Carrie Fisher? Was that a C reference? <laughs> like you're keeping it, you're keeping it nautical. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I definitely should have recognised him, shouldn't I? I don't know. He's that, he is a he is a very very good actor, mm. and I mean he's still in stuff now. He was in um, yeah. what's the snowy Tarantino film, Hateful Eight. Oh yeah, once yeah. upon a time in Hollywood. Yes, yeah. So he's still yeah mm. he's still knocking about today, and he's still bloody good. Yeah, yeah. Now I want to watch the Burbs again. <laughs> yes. No say, that's, verbs. that's Lee waking up in the moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to watch the verbs again. <laughs> um, Adam, did you catch up with anything? Um, I haven't watched anything, but I've listened to something and I've read something. Mm. Um, so uh, I listened to uh, Radio 6 or B Radio Sounds, BBC, whatever one. Um, 
have done that thing, the Battersea Poltergeist, which is kind of um, a look at the case. And I still haven't quite worked out whether it's a real case or not, because it feels like I should know about it because it feels a bit Enfield poltergeisty, but it's earlier. It was like in the 50s. Yeah. And um, but I'm pretty certain now that it was actually, you know, it's, it's a real uh, happening with real people and stuff like that. And they so they talk about the case. They've dramatized bits of it. And you've got Toby Jones as like the paranormal investigator. Alice Lowe plays the um, mother in it. Mm. Um, and it sort of drifts between that and talking about the case and also two, um, like basically two talking heads. So one's a, uh, one's a paranormal, not investigator, but like a, a paranormal studier and another is a skeptic and they sort of go through all the, the various reasons why and why not it might be real or what other explanations there are for it and everything. So it quite, it's good. quite, it's really good because it does manage to sort of get, it's, it's sort of neither one or the other. You don't get, it's not just a ghost mm. story drama, but those bits are creepy. Yeah. Okay. Then, but then they actually talk about the events, but you've also got someone there going, well, there was this that happened to someone else and it turned out to be the plumbing or, Mm. You know, there is this that seems to be the only logical explanation. It is something supernatural mm. or whatever. And it's, yeah. yeah, it's been a really good little um, series. I think there's, I think it's like seven episodes in total and they've got another one to come. But basically the thing's concluded. I think they're doing that because there's been a lot of um, interest around it that they're sort of doing a, a last one to sort of wrap everything up because they have people writing in about other happenings and cases and things like that and um but it does also feature one of the most league of gentlemen exchanges i've ever heard in my life and this is the guy presenting it goes to talk to a man who does exorcisms he's not a priest but he is a man who performs exorcisms <laughs> and it's just hilarious because he's going i have seen someone bursting <laughs> flames in front of me all right okay so how how did you feel? I looked away, and there they were. Right, okay. And, and what bit of them went on fire? The leg. <laughs> and it's just—it it just feels like it's like Reese and Steve doing like an improv or something. It's just, yeah. Um, so it's yeah, it's worth it's worth worth checking it out for that. But gen, you know, it's an interesting interesting case. It's the some of the. It does suffer a bit from radio for more middle-class actors playing working-class actors. So <laughs> there are bits of it where it's like, well, what's she talking about? And you're like, <laughs> yeah. I, I know you've got to make it clear for them to be able to understand because it's radio, but still, yeah, no, you, you're not convincing me that you are like a bank clerk from the 1950s who lived in the East End. I'm just not feeling it. <laughs> but, but overall, let's face it, this is, we are a horror podcast. And frankly, if we were to start judging things on their, on, <laughs> you know, accents or some interesting acting choices, we wouldn't watch any fucking films. Yeah, you <laughs> definitely got a point there. <laughs> um, and the other thing is, this was something I read. There's a guy, and I 
really wish I'd written his name down, but I haven't. But if you look up the occult area of Albion, and um, mm. this guy I found on Instagram, basically he is publishing little pamphlets that are entirely fictional studies of um, like occult happenings. Like he's made up like various, and it's very, it's very folk horror. It comes in a nice scene, so it's a bit like Weird Walk or something like nice. that, which I know you you read, Alex. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah excellent. Hellbore. So it's in that sort of thing of the little A4, A5 little booklet sort of thing. And um, yeah, it's just basically they make, it's a story about, and the first volume was like something like it's Melworth Hall or Melmouth Hall or something like that. And basically they tell you the history of it. Um, a guy who stayed there who was a friend of Alistair Crowley. And it, it just feels really right. They know what they're talking about, but it's, yeah, but it's yeah and everything um uh, but apparently um so yes yeah, so i bought the first couple i've read the first one i'm gonna read the second but apparently as it goes they're meant to build up into an overall story so you've got this oh, i think they're kind of building a world out of this thing so maybe some mentions in one will get mentioned in another for a different location or something like that I'm just interested to see where it goes, but like the first one's really good. And it's nicely, it's not, it's, it's not, not serious, but it's also not afraid to have jokes in it and little bits and stuff like that. Like there's a right at the start of it where it's like something is something along the lines of, and uh, you know, you have been warned and a member of the council has remarked that this is brown trousers time. <laughs> and that's sort of, so it's, it's not po-faced in its seriousness but it's still yeah. yeah it's still like actual sort of fiction it's not a parody or a mock you know it's not like a sort of mickey take or a pastiche or anything else like that it really mm. yeah so um yeah and like i say if you look up it's a culteria of albion and before the next episode i'll get the guy's name because i just cannot remember it for I've, life. I've just looked it up. Looks like Richard Daniels. That seems right. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, cool. And um, yeah, that comes again. That's that's a nice little recommendation, definitely. To and yeah, like I say, that reminds me of a lot of that stuff that's coming out, like Hellbore and uh, Weird Walk yeah. and Black Dog Zine and stuff like that. So yeah, def definitely worth checking out. Excellent. I should be looking those up. I think. Um, so I caught up with a couple of things. Um, firstly, I haven't got much to say about it, so we'll get it out of the way. Ghost Shark. Um, <laughs> it seemed relevant for uh, the podcast, and it was one of those. I'm, I'm sure I saw the trailer when it first came out, and I was like, it looks interesting. Yeah, so I went and looked on eBay, and I could buy it on Blu-ray secondhand for about £2. So I was like, well, that's a seal of approval. So I bought it. <laughs> Um, right. Can I just stop you there, Lee? Can I double check? Is this the one based on the original play, or is this, <laughs> or is this Francis Ford Coppola's ghost shot? Um, yeah, but it's yeah, it's it's ridiculous and crazy, and it's like it's it's a it's a sci-fi movie, isn't it? Really, it's one of those it will turn up on the sci-fi or the horror channel, yeah, and. Yeah, as you say, it's ridiculous concept, uh, and it fulfills it. It's got some great gore in it. 
Um, it's on a lower budget, but it is entertaining, and I found it quite funny. And I, I, I'm willing to. I was just flicking through my phone and checking my emails and stuff during the boring bits, and then I just kept looking up every time it rained or every time a sprinkler system came on or any time there was any water anywhere which the shark could use to travel from place to place and murder people. Um, <laughs> and it passed an hour, so that was wow. fine. <laughs> That was like a bloody classic. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it was one of those, it sounded mental enough to be brilliant, like the next Thanks Killing, I think Chris said. Mm. Um, but it wasn't quite that good, unfortunately. It was a bit too, it definitely it, didn't take itself seriously, but it took itself too seriously to be Thanks Killing, unfortunately. <laughs> it can attack and kill anyone as long as there is even the smallest amount of water nearby. Yeah, a drinking what? cup. Um, it, and it, I, when somebody spoiler alert somebody yeah, drinks a cup of water that is blowing and then the shark splits the man in half and comes out of him did, did we just oh. the best part of the film yeah i was gonna say i was gonna say but and this is again part of my nitpicky need to take things to their logical conclusion human beings are what 70 percent water of, quite quite they, a bit of water yeah. So, you know, in, in that sense. But also, please tell me that at some point it, it like, appeared in someone's stream of piss. That was a wasted opportunity. That is still taking itself too seriously if it doesn't appear in a piss stream. There you so, go. You see, it's an, a missed opportunity. You should yeah. actually be writing these, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just keep me in a cupboard, tell me the idea, and I'll be... And it come out of a piss street and they lock me back <laughs> in and that's it. Don't let me get involved in any other way, shape or form. Keep him away from the Queen's Gambit, for God's sake. Um, <laughs> uh, equally terrible, but far less entertaining somehow. Um, the Essex Chronicle uh, uh, local newspaper recently put a thing out saying there's a new film all about Borley Rectory um, it's called The Banishing. It's coming out. It's marvellous. Um, it isn't marvellous. It was really, really super boring. Um, and the, the, the funny thing is, on IMDb, it shows the character of Harry Price. Quotation, quotation. Mm. And they call him Harry Price. Mm. But in the film, they've changed his name to Harry Reid and they've made him an absolute... But like, don't get me wrong. Harry Price was an iffy character. I'm not saying he was in any way. Yeah. <laughs> not. Um, but yeah, they made him out to just be this weird old wino who just kept turning up. It was a bit like, you know, like the guy who always turns up in Friday the 13th, the local drunk, who's just sitting on a park bench going, ah, don't go to the camp. Basically, that was Harry Price. He was just like, every time they saw him, he just sat in the town square going, don't go back to that only day, us. Oh, no, horrible stuff there. It was ridiculous. <laughs> so don't don't waste your time on that. Um, What's it called? The Banishing? The Banishing, yeah. Right, okay. It's, uh, yeah, not great. And they changed it from Borley Rectory to Morley Rectory. So, you know, totally different thing there. But it was I'm, still I'm right next I'm to Colchester. To see what, I think I'm beginning to see what happens there. <laughs> yeah. They started off and then it was like, shit, people might have rights to these things. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the other thing I watched very quickly, and it, it did have a supernatural element to it, so I will bring it up. Um, was The Irregulars, the new Netflix series. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. It's interesting. 
it it very much had that thing that that funny enough i was just laughing when you were saying it adam about you know people pretending to be one thing for another um yeah it does that thing of it kind of sets itself in victorian britain and they're all homeless however um they they're all very middle class and very well spoken <laughs> everybody can read um yeah, yeah, and that. it's and ultimately, it's the the main character is supposed to be a seventeen year old homeless girl, but as soon as she walks into a room full of adults and goes, "You all need to stop messing around and take me seriously," everybody does. So it's <laughs> like it's got that terrible thing of it's clearly aimed at teenagers. So all the teenagers in it are brilliant and solve all the problems, and all the adults are arrogant dickheads who are just full of problems and everybody's an addict or you know malicious or yeah so i mean it was fine I, it was entertaining enough i didn't hate it but as i say it took me a couple of episodes to get over the well you know we're all going back to our shithole that we all live in you know that that terrible old dank basement that we live in and i was like that dank basement is bigger than my house and it's <laughs> you can literally it's three blocks away from st paul's i was like there's no way a load of homeless children pay rent and live in it Oh, blimey, Governor. What are you talking about? I'm a full-bred cockney. <laughs> <laughs> I was born within sight of bow legs. <laughs> um, but, yeah, as I say, once you get over that, it's actually quite good. And, uh, yeah, the cast were really good. So I'm not, not entirely knocking it, but it was just one of those. It, I do think that people, it, teenagers who it's aimed at, are going to see that and go, that's what Victorian was Britain was like. No, it, it was nothing like that at all. That girl had gone in and talked to Lestrade like that. She's going home with her teeth in her pocket. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm not condoning it. I don't think that's a good thing, but like just having a walk into the middle of Reflects Yard. the attitudes as they would be. Yeah. Yeah. It's... <laughs> Other than walking into the middle of Scotland Yard and saying, everybody's going to take me seriously. And they'll go, yes, miss. Sorry, miss. Yes, we'll listen to you. No, it's not happening. Um, so, on to this evening's main topic. Uh, we are, as mentioned, covering Jaws. Uh, this was Adam's idea. He said it'd be nice to get Alex in to give us a bit of insight, someone who's really passionate about the film. Um, as we're all fans, but I, I certainly am not as, as familiar with it as I'd like to have been, uh, and as I will be now moving forward, I can promise you. Um, so, Alex, what is it about the film that particularly stands out for you that makes you such a diehard fan? Um, I think, again, going back to like childhood, it's one of the earliest things, like film-wise, that properly scared me. As I'm like, mm. Mm, you can imagine which scene I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that was like the, I don't know whether to mention it yet or not, the, uh, the uh, head in the boat scene. Oh, yes. but, um, that was the one that sort of everybody was talking about at school like the next day. I mean, hmm. oh, do you see Jaws? And straight away, probably go, head in the boat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that haunted me for like years. But also the fact that back then when I was a kid, show my age, we didn't have videos or anything. So you just had to wait until the next time mm. it was on. Yeah. You could actually see it. Yeah. And, uh, something, something really exciting about that, I suppose. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, really builds it up. It, I think it tends to create a commitment that doesn't happen mm. anymore. Yeah. Because it's that thing of, right, well, you watch it now or it doesn't. 
that's it. You're not watching it again till it's yeah. either on telly again next or whatever. Yeah. And it's yeah, the, it's the same with a lot of TV shows. You know, I think when it was yeah. a point with telly and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm. Actually, so, you yeah, saying about, yeah. But you saying about it going around the the playgrounds. I think that's the other thing that's important about Jaws is this has always been like a family horror film. Mm, yeah. In, in its own way, because I mean, not so much now, because I think certainly I think but I think the head in the boat is cut now if they show it during the day, even if they but I mean it used to be it would be maybe five in the afternoon, three in the afternoon or something like that. They'd put jaws yeah. on. And yeah, you got the head in the boat, you got like shinings worth of blood coming out of the when the <laughs> Uh, boys attacked and stuff like that and you're like actually it's pretty you know it's pretty much it's much in the same way as with Star Wars A New Hope where you suddenly realise things had changed when you watched it on the telly and they'd cut out Uncle Owen and Aunt Bruce crispy bodies and it's again that used to just be oh yeah just bung that on in the afternoon you know it's like we're we're 15 minutes in and there's two like steaming corpses, <laughs> and similarly with Jaws, you know, there was like the the hand on the the, the hand on the beach and things like that. They're all yeah. pretty grim and probably mm. not, you know, they would definitely not necessarily be shown now. You know, if they're going to yeah. show it at all in the afternoon, there's there's bits that are clearly now going to be cut. Mm. And I think actually, I think the climactic when Quint gets bitten. Like when when he slides into the shark's mouth, I'm pretty sure that then cuts if they show it on telly. And then the yeah. next thing you know, it's, it's crashing through the cabin at um, Brody. Yeah. So you miss that whole sort of uh, Captain Ahab stabbing it, <laughs> screaming and like... Yeah. But like, 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 like you say, when I was a kid, no, I watched that and I'm going, why is blood coming out of that mouth, that man's mouth? Yeah. Mouth? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's because of eternal hemorrhaging stuff. And I was like, oh, right, okay. <laughs> she was very good like that, my mum, to be honest. <laughs> she, didn't, she didn't dumb it down. So. <laughs> and I think that's, yeah, I think it's, but in the other way that you can show this in the afternoon. Because it is, you know, everyone can get on board with it. Yeah. When you're a kid, it's just fucking thrilling and terrifying and everything. But as you sort of get older, it's like you start liking the family bits or the yes. stuff or the or, or even like the corruption bits where like but, Mayor Vaughan yeah. is trying to keep the beach open because it's money. I'm going to have to jump Which, in and say, absolutely, I did not remember any of that at all. So I'd seen it. I'd seen it once, I think, completely, and I don't remember what age I was. But obviously, I remember it in the same way Nightmare on Elm Street and Exorcist was talked about, as you're saying. But mm. I, certainly, I didn't see it till after I'd heard about it for quite a while. Um, but yeah, like there is so much more to it than I realised. Um, I was actually like really quite blown away watching it, and so I th- it's a great suggestion, Alex. Because um, you think we might have even covered it before now because it is one of the great classics mm. you know but I, I did yeah. start off and I thought it's going to be quite a lot of fairly slow um, not much 
because I remember that you don't see the shark that much. Oh, you don't see jaws that much. And so, yeah, I just thought, you know, it might even be a bit boring in places, but it really wasn't. It was just like, found it compelling all the way through for the different aspects and, and the different characters as well. I, I totally forgotten the mayor. Um, I remembered Brody. Um, I've forgotten the scientist, Hooper, and Quint as well, which obviously the three of them, I totally had forgotten they get together on the boat sort of, you know, in the last third. And it was like, when that happened, I, was, I just thought, this is, this is great. And it started to come back to me. I remembered their antics and like things. And it is, it's just the way it goes through those sort of phases, the, the sort of build up, the ten- and the tension throughout as well, the suspense was done in quite a subtle way. Um, obviously, there's a few attacks. I think there's like three attacks in the sort of main first part mm. or, or killings. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. so, yeah. Um, but like the bit where he knocks the guy off the boat and they're in the uh, pond and then you yeah. see Jaws underneath and it's like... The shape, just, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. it's just really well done. Proper um, horrifying, that is. Yeah, cool. like, I, I was just... Yeah, it's amazing. Um, and I totally did not know it was Steven Spielberg and John Williams. Like when I saw their names at the start, I was like, what? How did I not know this? Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. there's, there's certain bits where you can really... Because obviously, I mean, obviously, the the theme, and Steven Spielberg says about, like, again, I think it's like Psycho. It's the music does so much in this film. Yeah. Because the music... Because they it's like you say, although you don't see the shark, you see indications of the shark. Mm. Like, they do this... They do a lot of the clever stuff, like the the stuff with the like the ballast barrels mm. and particularly the pier i think that is great when the yeah. pier breaks mm. and mm. then it just turns and comes back yeah. and like, right they are not there's no prop shark there or anything like that they've just got two guys under the water just turning this thing <laughs> and it's like but this is shittingly terrifying you're like your your legs are up on the on the chair when he's like slipping yeah. like on the thing, and it's just you know that works all so well. But you've got, but for John Williams, like it's actually quite because it's quite a simplistic. Like that main theme is so sort mm. of it's simplistic, but you know you can do it in so many ways. It's like proto doom almost mm. because you can sort <laughs> of really really slow it. And then ramp it up, ramp it up, ramp it up. If you know, if you take it to black metal level, that might have gone a bit mental. But you know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's almost distilled yeah. down to, to the most minimal the, we, required amount but, to create that tension. But I think you can yeah. really hear. There's two bits where you can really hear it's John Williams. There's like a sort of adventure theme when they're on mm. the boat. Yeah, they're like chasing whenever, the they're, whenever they're chasing yeah. the shark yeah. rather than the yeah. shark chasing them, there's like this sort of really heroic sort of upbeat sort of tune where it's like, yeah, we're going to get him. Ah. Um, but also just the bit when they go out at night in uh, Hooper's boat mm. and it's all yeah. dark and everything else like that. And that piece of music, that is so Star Wars, it's unreal because it just feels like it's the sort of panning down onto a planet or going yeah. into uh, the Dagobah system or something like that. It's just mm. that sort of slightly almost heightened magical sort of uh, th- feeling that they do to it whenever it's after dark. But yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and the other thing that I thought was quite clever is actually at points, they took away the music at the points mm. of oh, like, was... 
extreme suspense. And I was yeah, like, I was going to really say that very trip. first like, scene or, on the beach. Yeah, there's no. It really makes you suddenly feel cold and beach, like, yeah. yeah. And it makes you, I don't know, it just kind of takes you out of it because you, you mm. obviously you don't forget you're watching a film. But because it hasn't got that ominous music, there's no musical cues to tell you yeah. what to expect at any point. It suddenly feels really no real. So when all of a sudden it does that that depth of field mm. shot on Brody, where it's suddenly everything mm. behind yeah. him zooms out, it's just incredible. Yeah. Like uh, the filmmaking on the, I mean, I know mm. it's Steven Spielberg and he's a big deal for a reason. Like, but oh my god, that was incredible. Mm. So well for 1975. But what? Yeah, so that's yeah, it. I was yeah. going to say what year it was because it was clear that it was older. And I was wondering um, when I realised it was Steven Spielberg, like uh, what else had he worked on? Not much. He'd done a. Okay. Interesting yeah. enough, he'd done a film called Duel, which yeah. I really need mm. to watch again because it's basically Jaws on dry land, and okay. it's a, and it's basically this guy. He's this this guy is driving across like across country like through America. Mm. And he gets involved with the, it's like a sort of grubby old oil tanker, sort of looking yeah. like art, articulated lorry. And basically, he ends up in like a weird cat and mouse game where this tanker is trying to chuck him off the road. And it's it doesn't sound as good as it is when I've described <laughs> it there, but it is basically it's the same thing because you never. You never understand, you never find out why the driver of the truck mm. is doing what he's doing. But you never see the driver of the truck. You only ever see the truck. Okay, that's interesting. So yeah. the truck is like a monster. Yeah. It could it could be, it could almost be maximum overdrive because oh, it's it like blacked out think... windows. Yeah. So you don't necessarily know. You know, if if they yeah. were to do it, it could turn out that it was a truck with a mind of its own. But it's you know, that's never mm that's never part of the film and not something that they put into it. But yeah, you just never get that payoff of what the, of who mm. the, um, of what is going on with this truck. Um, and, but that was, that was like a TV movie. And I think that's pretty much what he'd done before. Really? The reason yeah. it's interesting to Jaws is because when, um, right at the end, when the carcass of the shark is sinking, yeah, there's like a roaring <laughs> noise, and the roaring noise is in Jewel, basically. And spoiler alert for people not seeing Jewel, basically at the end of Jewel, the truck rides off a cliff face mm. and crashes. But they put the same roaring sound over it, and Steven Spielberg was like, "I want to put this in Jaws as well to kind of get that." It's like this sort of monolithic dinosaur-y sort of sound, mm. and actually, I. I it's from what was it from? Uh, it's actually from a film called Land of the Unknown, which was like one of the big um, old dinosaur films. You know, it's like stop motion uh, dinosaur okay. films. And um, yeah, it's like yeah. So he'd done that, but I mean, this was. I think a lot of this was there was an element where he was more and more crapping himself as things went on because obviously everything ended up as a total disaster oh, yeah. in terms of like shit like they got on set and things weren't working the shark never worked as they wanted really? to but then the interesting thing is that's what led to him 
not showing oh, the shot. Oh, cutting out. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Because they couldn't get it to do everything yeah. they wanted it to. And yet, that's somehow, almost back to that, like, the constraints, consumptions. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And I think, actually, if Spielberg if Spielberg had been... Had had, like, 3D. Spielberg as we know him now, he probably, you know, there would be more shark because yeah. he could have yeah. pulled it together. Yeah. But with what they could do in 1970... He still, still might have done a good job, to be fair. Yeah. I mean, it's, I a lot of people. I know people always sort of like say, "Oh, it's a bit of a rubbish." I still, it works because oh, it really sharks does. aren't yeah. exactly expressive. They're not Darwin mm-hmm. Atkinson. Do you know what I mean? They're not sort of like, mm-hmm. "Oh, that shark didn't look that coy at that moment. It didn't look very surprised <laughs> in that." You know, it's a pretty the dog from the thing. It just needs yeah. to like open and close its mouth. That's it. it yeah. Really, yeah. That's it looked incredible. I was totally mm. blown away with that because, yeah, I I've heard the same. You like you say the stories of everyone on set saying how much they hated working with the uh, fake shark. Mm. So I yeah. like I, I'm expecting to have to put that aside and be aware mm. that it's going to look rubbish. And I was like, I wouldn't have changed a thing. Like. Yeah. And, no. and and I think for me, I've got. A, so I've definitely seen this film because I know in my head I've seen it. But when I watched it to uh, Tuesday, it was I saw it ultimately for the first time. I don't remember anything. Mm. Um, and I've got to admit, as Chris said earlier, when I put it on and it came up two hours and four minutes, I went, "Oh for God, this is going to be." <laughs> Like, I remember it being quite, a, you know, like, in my mind, it was a slow burn, although I don't remember anything mm. about it. And I was like, this is going to be a bit of a slog. That two hours went by so quickly. In the last 10 minutes, I was already thinking, I'm going to have to sneak this in and watch it again before Saturday, because I enjoyed it <laughs> so much. Yeah. It's just an absolute masterpiece. And I don't know why I've not watched it in memory. Like, I'm kicking myself now. I'll have to watch it for <laughs> six months to get my quota in before I cark it. It, it, it. I mean, that's that's something that, I mean, because for, for me, again, I think I had a similar thing. It was a few years, it was a few years back, but when I sort of like, I was like, I really need to sit and watch Jaws because I know I'd seen it and like, you know, it been, and I'd always liked it on the telly because I suddenly remembered this the other day is after watching, after watching it, as a kid and having the conversation with my mum about internal hemorrhaging, um, I actually made a booklet on sharks entirely based off of Jaws Ooh. and what they could eat. And also I couldn't <laughs> That's really educational draw. too. I, I couldn't really draw. So I could draw a shark. It wasn't that bad, but please say you've still get... got this. Oh no, Christ, no, <laughs> yes. no, this is, this is the longest this had. I, I don't know. I probably. I mean, we might have run out of toilet paper one day. You know, that's that's how you know. You know, that's how affectionately thought of this book was. Um, but uh, so I could draw sharks, and what I would draw is a shark with an arm coming out of its mouth or a leg <laughs> coming out of its mouth. And basically, it was all. Every page was like sharks can eat people. Sharks can eat. Horses. <laughs> and the one I particularly remember, sharks can eat aliens, which was an arm, but it was a red arm. There you go, because obviously it's aliens. So, yeah. And um, yeah, I might have been a bit of a fucking knob. But anyway, so, but I remember doing that. So I always had this sort of, but again, it was like, 
yeah, I kind of think I know Jaws. And then when I went back and watched it, and this was probably early 2000s, late 90s, I think was when I sort of re... And after that, it was like, no, this is a fucking mm. so well put together film. It's like everything beyond, like, the sh- you know, re- regardless of the actual sort of the point of the film, which is a scary shark film, everything about it really doesn't deserve to be as good as it is, mm. but it's all great. Mm. Like, the people, like the characters in it and the interactions and everything, because yeah. they all, everything feels right. And that's definitely a Spielberg thing where it's you get that family mm. side of things. Mm. And I mean, it's like the bit. I mean, although she doesn't get, although she doesn't get much to do in it, Brody's wife, I think, is really mm. good as, yeah, how she is with him. I mean, you know, it's it's a bit of a thankless role, but it's sort of like you know, I think, but I mean, like the bit where he's shouting at his son to get out of the boat. Yeah, mm. and then she's that. seen that one picture of a shark. So like, listen to your father and get out of the boat. <laughs> 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 you know they. It feels like they feel like a family. They don't feel mm. like you've. They don't feel this is written. Yeah, you feel like you're just observing this. And like even stuff like the dopey deputy, who is just a complete tip, where he's just <laughs> like the bit where he's like trying to signal him through the window, and he's just waving back at him through the thing. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like. Yeah, yeah, you, this is what I've got to work with. This is, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that was I'd completely forgotten about the funny parts as well. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, Quint, up until a certain point, Quint's whole turn is a comic turn. Mm. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and Hooper to a certain extent. Yeah, but, you yeah. Know, he's, he's sort of, actually, that's something that I don't, I don't think, I mean, like, the, the, the three main actors are just... So fucking good, incredible, absolutely and incredible. You are totally sold on it. You're not watching, like you're not watching Richard Dreyfus and Robert Shaw. No. You're watching Quint and Hooper have an argument, mm-hmm. and you know it's sort of yeah. It's just it's one of those things where it's just like, well, actually, like very much on a par with Psycho, mm. where. Everyone kind of knows it, but apparently they don't. Because when you actually sit down and watch it, you're like, actually, there's so much more in this. Mm. But also it's like, this is so much more than the killer shark film should be. Mm. Much in the same way as Psycho is so much more than the um, a bloke dressed as his mum stabs someone in the shower film. Do you know what I mean? It's so... When you put it down to that level, because I mean, Hitchcock was making a B movie, and there's an element to this, but it's just so, so well done and so sort of, you know, near perfect. I mean, I think I think that's probably why you do get people say about the shark is just because at that point it's like, well, I've got to find something at fault with this. I'll <laughs> moan about a rubbery shark, even though the shark, you are sold on the shark hmm. without even yeah. seeing it. You are scared of that thing by the time it actually appears Mm. because you've seen the consequence, you've seen it attack, but not quite. And the way it drags that woman through the water is horrific when it's it's just her Mm. waist up 
and it's just the way it's throwing her and she can't control her limbs because it's moving her so violently. As you say, you haven't seen the shark at this point. You're already absolutely terrified of it. It's fantastic yeah. done. It's, oh. And when, when, as they refer to him, the Kintner boy gets killed. Mm. And apparently what happened with that, there was like a, they had like a dummy of the kid and they were filming it and they said, and then the shark capsized. But, but curiously enough, it actually did what sharks do, which is they grab you, which is to grab a limb and then roll hmm. to take yeah. you down and sort of knock you out and everything else like that. So there's sort of bits and pieces where it's like, oh yeah, the shark actually fucked up, but did the thing that a shark would do. <laughs> so <laughs> it, you know, it's actually better than what we wanted it to do. But I know I think there's there's a level of restraint in it which is impressive when you consider the, the amount of, you know, there is a lot of grisly and shocking and jumpy sort of bits in there. Mm, yeah. But actually, overall, as a film, it's actually, you know, it doesn't... Again, it's the Killer Shark movie that isn't too gratuitous, but not enough that you're like, well, I didn't get me bang for my buck out of that Killer Shark movie. You know? mm. And it's the, as you say, it's the character development. It's the, I've, I mean, I've got to say, my favourite scene of the entire thing, just because it's so beautifully shot, is when you first see Quint. So they're all in that room and they're all shouting and hollering over each other. And he just drags his nails down does, the ball. Yeah. Everyone stops and turns. Yeah. But he doesn't say anything. He takes his little rice cracker and he has mm. another little bite and he just leaves everyone staring at him while he finishes chewing. And then he's, and it's just something about the way it's done. It's just absolutely. He, he knows the position he is in. Yeah, exactly. He's that crazy no bastard who's suddenly yeah. going to make, you know, be worth the entire town having put up with him for however many years because he's the only one who can save it. And it's, and I loved, I know, I'm sure it's been mentioned before. I think it was Adam, you were saying you've read the book and he's a bigger dick in the book than he is. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, but I really liked you. I think that says more about my character than anything else. <laughs> I, th I think definitely because there's certain, there are certain other bits in the book. Because isn't it like Hooper has an affair with Brody's wife or something? Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a big fight in the boat about it. Mm. Ah. Well, that's interesting. And uh, also, it's the, um, there's like a mafia thing going on in the, on Amity Island. So they're sort of pressuring. The mayor into like mm. keeping the beaches open and things. Ah, uh, oh, yeah, I had heard that. Yeah, where it's that's kind of the explanation for why he's so adamant about. See, that is that yeah, is yeah. interesting. Yeah, I mean, like you mentioned earlier, the, the different uh, parties and their interests, and yeah, like I guess he does come across as very dislikable. Um, but yeah, if if they did add something like that in to know that he had extra pressure, because really you just see him and it just looks like he's greedy and, you know, doesn't yeah. really care I, about I anyone. I assume they cut that out a bit, as opposed to strip it down a bit. Otherwise yeah. you've got too many things yeah. going on, if you know what I mean. I think they wisely strip out the extraneous stuff that doesn't hurt anything. Mm. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, actually, and actually, I think Hooper having an affair with Brody would overcomplicate things slightly because yeah, Hooper, no need, Hooper doesn't, isn't it? Hooper doesn't survive in the book, does he? Mm. No. So, so it's only Brody who makes it to the end. Yeah. And, no. and so, yeah, there's sort of you. So, yeah, if they had him pop up the back, it'd be like, oh, yeah, 
hang on, when do you give my one? So, yeah. Yeah. just push it back down again. Yeah. <laughs> the shark got the gun off me and shot him in the stomach while he was fighting. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like Pete, because the book's written by Peter Benchley, he turns up in the film. He's the mm. he's the guy doing the presentation, like the TV presentation. Oh, yeah. Really? You know, the adventures of Amity are wide open for debate. Yeah, that's that's Peter Benchley, <laughs> who who had that who bless his heart had that horrible thing where it was like, right, you you're the Jaws man. What else can you do? And then had mm. to write a series of other water-based sort of novels yeah. and sort of stuff. But that's interesting. Loads... So, so I was going to say, had there been any other water-based horror films, this might be a question to Alex because he does seem like the master of water-based horror <laughs> after, after we said earlier. But I wonder at the time, uh, was this like the first? The so what, yeah, yeah. Did, that, did that come before this? Mm. Oh, yeah, that was oh, 50. Okay. Yeah, I think wasn't one of the classic Universal monsters. That was. Yeah, it was one of the later ones, but yeah, I think you're right, Alex. I think it was about fifty-ish. I'm on it now, finding out. So that was a lagoon. So, so right, that was one size expanse of water, and then this has taken it to another level. Yeah, I suppose suppose the the most obvious one isn't really a horror film, but like Moby Dick. Mm, okay. Where it's like yeah. the fight in the whale, and yeah. it can't, but that's like that's in a different thing to this. Weirdly mm. enough, that was the thing I was trying to work out whether Jaws would be a kaiju, like as in like you know massive monster. Yeah. But I think it's actually there's a genre of horror film, and what is it? Nature's Revenge or Nature in Revolt? Yeah. Mm, and it's yeah. basically yeah, like there's there's what's that? What's the film with the giant pig in Australia? Razorback. Yeah. Razorback, which is basically yeah. which is basically Jaws with a pig. There's a lot of Jaws <laughs> with after Jaws that have yeah. to be said, but yeah, and so I think it's kind of Jaws kind of spawns a lot. I mean, actually, like, like I said, when we did when on uh, sorry, I keep mentioning it, but when we did like a New Hope on Moss I- on Moss Eisley Happy Hour, all the fi- a lot of the other films that were released that year were Jaws knockoffs. Mm. So you had yeah. like tentacles, which is have you ever seen tentacles? That is something else. That no. is. Um, I think th- I think it might be on the company who will not be named Jennifer Prime, and um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's available on there. And um, that's basically a giant octopus version of Jaws, which yeah. is which is pretty good. You got um, what's her name, Shelley Shelley Winters is in it, and like uh, you know so. So after okay. the side of adventure, she then gets occupied. But, <laughs> but yeah, so, but then, and then, so we had a lot of rip-off films of that and they've got stuff like this. Peter Benchley did, and I've watched it, and I'm ashamed to say I've watched it. There's a film, and I can't think, I think it's called The Beast or Peter Benchley's oh, The Beast. Oh, yeah. Which is <laughs> about, and, and this is the extent to which Peter Benchley's career has gone. It's about, a half man, half shark, like <laughs> military mutation creation. Yeah. Mm. And and I'm sure William Peterson's in it from Manhunter. And and like he and that that was kind of the reason I watched it. It was like, oh, it's William Peterson from Manhunter. It's Peter Benchley. How bad can this be? Well, 
there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Had that on. So... <laughs> Interesting. It's funny you say that, actually, because that character has just turned up in the trailer for the new Suicide Squad film, which... Uh... Oh, yeah. There's a... Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Isn't there? yeah. Yeah. Can I just say, the one in Suicide Squad looks somewhat better from the one from like <laughs> 1991's Peter Benchley's The Beast. <laughs> Strangely enough, animatronics and effects seem to have moved on in 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> but you get, because obviously you get the sequel, you get sequels to Jaws. But again, it's one of the weirdest. Um, it's one of the first examples of like, you know, where it's like you for example, Halloween 2018 basically says none of the other Halloweens happened. Mm, yeah. So it's that retcon thing because they did they did Jaws 2, which I still I still quite like because you've got you've still got yeah. Roy Schneider in it. Um mm. I again back to being a child, I do remember the electrified shark steaming out of its eye sockets. You know, I was yeah. like, wow, that's that's just the most impressive thing I've ever seen on television, man. <laughs> so, and um, although, although I know the reason that I was watching Jaws with my mum is she had a thing for Robert Shaw so which considering her other uh, thing was for Sean Connery she's definitely got a type so, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah Jaws 2 is pretty good and then they did Jaws 3D oh yeah which which is <laughs> that, the, Brody like kid, the Brody kids have grown up and one of them's gone to work at SeaWorld. Yeah. And Jaws gets into SeaWorld and starts killing That's people. Getting bit, like hearing... That's getting a bit like any bit of water. I was just about yeah. to say, it's yeah. ghost, ghost shark, shark all yeah. over again. If there's a puddle, yeah. he's in it. And then they did Jaws the Revenge, which actually got called at the time, oh, this is Jaws 3. Almost like to say, no, Jaws 3D. No, we didn't do that. That mm. didn't happen. That's like a bubble episode of Jaws, and then this yeah. is the, this is the proper sequel. And but at the start of that, uh, Michael Brody gets eaten. Is it Michael? One of the sons gets eaten. Yeah. By by Jaws, as I'm going to refer to him, and by Jaws four, and um, then then isn't it Mrs. Brody goes to the Caribbean and starts have uh, starts having it off with Michael Caine. Michael Caine, yeah, and the yeah. shark follows. Yeah, that's <laughs> the new. Yeah. Oh god, so I need to watch this now. I might, yeah, I might just have to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> to, to be honest, I mean, like I say, Jaws Two is like, well, you've had Jaws, here's Jaws Two, mm, and yeah, then Jaws Three D is. I can't believe they made this. And then Jaws Four is. <laughs> I'm so glad they made this, but this is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> Because <laughs> at that point it is like it's meant to have a vendetta, mm, except yeah. it can't be the same shark. So no, it's it starts getting. Is it is it sort of son of Jaws? You know, <laughs> yeah. is, it, is it Jaws's widow come back for, oh, to man. get her revenge? If they called what, it son of Jaws, I'd have been all <laughs> like a rat. <laughs> Well, it's a universal film, so technically we could have it in the dark universe if they go for, like, if they do do, like, you know, Dra House of Jaws, where Dracula is underwater in, like, one of those sort of geodesic domes with, uh, whilst making the Frankenstein's monster, but then 
Jaws comes in with Larry Tolbert riding him like a sort of... Anyway, <laughs> again, I, I, I won't be allowed out of the cupboard for that one, I don't think. But yeah, they should, they should have gone with that. That should, should have been the naming thing. It should have been Bride of Jaws, Son of Jaws, Ghost of Jaws, uh, House of Jaws, and then Eric <laughs> Costello meet Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would be remiss if I don't bring it up that I saw one of the greatest garments. I know I've got a habit of bringing up people's attire, um, like I'm Can some kind of clothes fetishist. But was uh, it the anchor suit? Yeah, the mayor's yeah, I knew it. When you oh said, yeah, when you said Alex, you were like, oh, he's being paid off by the mafia. I was like, that's how he can afford that jacket. Mm. That was Larry's anchor suit. Oh yeah. mate, I wanted that like, so bad. It's clear, doesn't it? Claire, Claire, as my witness, Larry Vaughan comes out in his anchor suit, and I went, Lee would have that. <laughs> oh, it was so good. Cool. I, <laughs> I mean, the problem is, though, it, 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 it's another clothes thing. The other thing I had at the beginning, where the it's the, the couple at the party, and then obviously they're running off together, and she's running along, and she's like throwing her clothes behind. And in my mind, all I'm thinking is, gonna have to pick all them up here luckily she didn't have to <laughs> worry old romantic. Yeah. <laughs> i was like oh imagine that at your next morning you've got hangover you wake up in just your underwear and you're like i've got to walk half a mile down the beach trying to find me other sock and where my shoe went and i was like oh you young do, people do you know what i reckon it's been long enough though that we can do the joke which is how we know that chrissy did dandruff yeah <laughs> Because they found her head and shoulders on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, you. You laughed when I told you the other day. So. Tough crowd. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be said, I'm glad, actually. I kept waiting for him to cut, to, to show us that head and shoulders bit that was there. And obviously, we mm. didn't actually see it, did we? It no. Describe. Uh, yeah, and I thought it worked so well. Not because in my mind, I pictured it. So I was like, I know they're going to show it because it's mm. in my head exactly what it looks like. And then we never saw it. And I was like, wow, that's just how you know yeah. how much of a an amazing thing you've created. That thirty years later, I'm convinced I saw that, and I clearly never yeah. did. Yeah, mm. that's, that's a bit like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre thing, isn't it? You think you've seen a whole lot more gore mm. and violence than you actually yeah. have. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's, I think it's because you sort of. Oh, sorry, man. No, no, go on. I'm sorry. I'm on a slight delay. So if I talk over people, it's because my uh, internet's a bit rubbish. I do apologize. No, it's just, I think that the. Um, again, it's like I was saying about restraint, is you don't need to see everybody. <coughs> you know, because Ben Gardner's corpse is like yeah. the head, the head in the boat is just mm. perfect. Jump scare, done. Yeah, but you don't need. You don't necessarily. You know what's happened. That actually, someone describing it clinically is far more disturbing and plays on the mind a bit more than if you'd have seen a slightly crap cast of the actress, like yeah. you know, uh, yeah. like just there with the mouth open, looking like foam rubber. So yeah, it does. It does so much to avoid showing you stuff that you do get more shocked when they do. Is it, yeah. the, the, I think the thing with that head bit as well that got me was that even though it is such a famous, memorable moment, 
they'd set it up so well that I was still expecting a shark. So when it was the head, it mm. double tricked me because he had the two. Yeah. So I was like, that shark's still about, man. Don't spend too much. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, it's, yeah. a it's a head. But again, it's, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't linger on it too much. It just shows you it and then cuts away. Yeah. So your mind's mm. still reeling from it. And the next scene is already taking place of him dropping everything and trying to get away. It's mm. yeah, like the, the I don't know if it's the editing in this or the directing, but the the tension in it and it and it is, it's that quick cut of just showing you something and then moving on. So you don't really have time to get over it. And it caught, kind of plays on yeah. your mind later because you haven't fully taken it in at the time because you're keeping up with it. it it's brilliant. So good, so well made, it's incredible. Yeah, also with everything it, with everything that Hooper's got, buy him a fucking wrist strap. He's got the <laughs> fucking tooth for the bloody harpoon with strychnine in it. He just can't keep anything but fingers. But, <laughs> but apparently the um, the way the head appeared, they shot it and Steven Spielberg wasn't happy with it. And they, like the studio, were like, right, you're already way over budget here. We're not paying you to go and refilm that. You've got it. Use it. And so he paid out of his own money to do it. And they went to, they, they put the cast of like the boat mock, the mock-up of the boat. They took it to the editor's house, put yeah. it in her swimming pool, put a gallon of milk in the swimming pool to make it all like murky and a bit more sort of, you know, how ocean water would be and refilmed it. But it was all on like Spielberg's own money. Wow. Because he was just like, I'm not happy with this shot, and I know I can, I know it can be better. That's the dedication. And, well, yeah. it's also he's right because yeah. it works. It's one of the weirdest things, like you say. You know, it's fucking coming. Yeah, and it still can't help but make still me go. Look. Yeah, it still is a bit. Never seems to come quite the point you think it's going to. Mm. Yeah, timing is so important. Yeah, but I mean. And actually, I mean, there's it's weird because you've got like the two halves of, of the film because you then get literally the orca scene is pretty much the second half is mm. only yeah. Quint Brody and Hooper on the boat. And it's it's weird because it takes it right down from like you've had that thing where you've got like the town and the you know it's it's clearly affecting everyone. Apparently, the actress who plays Mrs. Kintner is asked on a regular basis by fans to be slapped. Yeah. Like, for her to just talk that, one. That, that, was, like, that was a great scene. Like, yeah. Again, yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd forgotten about that as well. And, yeah, just... Um, especially the way it came after they were all feeling so, so pleased. Mm. They'd caught it. Like, it's great, you know. And then... But, and, and Brody's position is difficult and I, you know it's um i guess like a lot of these this sort of pandemic type films now the decisions that you have to make in in when you're in that position yeah uh, he didn't necessarily make the wrong decision it like it's difficult to know exactly what the correct thing to do is until like when you've got hindsight it's really easy yeah there's there a point at which you're like well you know do we need to learn more about it and yeah, it's like it's fascinating. Um, again, but then obviously the, the individual is extremely upset when their son dies, mm. of course. Mm. Yeah. But as you no, say, I mean, the fact, yeah. Well the fact is as you say, he's only getting one side of it. So he's new mm. in town, 
He obviously yeah. doesn't feel comfortable saying, right, I don't care what the mayor mm. says, I'm taking control of it. He's he's kind of got yeah. the mayor saying to him, look, I run this town, mm. I take care of everything, you've got nothing to worry about, I take responsibility. And it's only, he's only getting pushed in one direction. So although he, he clearly feels he should close the beach, yeah. mm. everybody's telling him, no, no, you can't, we can't afford to lose the money. You'll yeah. basically bankrupt everyone in the town. So you totally understand why he makes yeah. the decision he makes. But yeah, when she comes up and slaps him, mm. like you he's can see so why well. he's the person she's going to go to. But he's yeah. just put yeah in such a horrible position. It's mm. it, it's, it's, it's you mentioning about a, about like pandemic watches and everything, Chris. I think that is something that really comes across with it. Is you're just like because it, it is just literally the current debate mm. of yeah. What's more important, the, yeah. the lives or the economy? Yeah. But, but it's not It's not one or the other. There is a balance. Ruin yeah. the economy. You do ruin the lives anyway. So it's, yeah. At what point do you say this is the correct decision? But yeah. It's, it's very difficult. I mean, actually, I, admittedly, I, I, like... I, I don't necessarily trust all of our politicians as much as I trust Brody. I tend <laughs> to think they're probably more in line with... With the wonderful mayor, but you know, th- even he, even he learns his lesson, doesn't he? It's you know, at one point it says, you know, my kids were there. Yeah, when he's but smoking they're... in the hospital is when they mm. have that conversation. <laughs> 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 yeah. a time stamp on yeah. it. Him standing in the reception with a bag in his mouth, <laughs> leaning over a sick kid. I was like, oh man, really? Yeah. <laughs> but I think, but actually, that's the interesting thing you get, and it probably again is losing the mafia subplot from the book. Mm. is it's all on Larry. It's all yeah. on Mayor Vaughan. And he is... It's interesting because when that bit we were saying about where Brody gets slapped by Mrs. Kintner and she's talking to him, and you can just see him in the background. Yeah. And he's kind of like, I'm not going to say anything. Should I say something? No, yeah. no, no, because no, I don't want to take the blame for this. Mm. And But you can see he is really sort of like oh this is you know just fuck off because we've we've sorted yeah. this please yeah. don't make this any more than it has to be and blah blah and but also just the and one of the shittiest bits is when he goes and talks to that mate like the friend of his and he's like oh you're not in the water why aren't you in the water mm, yeah. yeah and it's yeah. like please can you go and you're like oh you bucket of shit larry <laughs> <laughs> you bastard but it's, uh, but then again, I love I love the fact that that feels quite current, in mm. so much as it's like, right? Do we right, Larry? Are we lock? Are we closing off the beaches or not? And he's like, no, I want you to arrest the people who vandalised yeah, this yeah. site because it's public property. It's <laughs> yeah. like that is really not the issue here, <laughs> but that's something you think is solvable. Yeah. And that's something you want. You want that sorted, rather, you know. And it's yeah, it's very sort of, it's very sort of pointed in that sense. Mm. But also, yeah, Brody's outsider nature does put him on a back foot. It's like when he's saying to the, he's saying to his deputy, and he's like, "Look, you know who these people are. Go and make them see sense. They're they're going to overload the boat." I mean, that bit where. Um, because I've never I've never clocked it before, but it's uh, Ben Gardner is who Hooper meets like when he first arrives on the island, and he's like, yeah. "Hello there, yeah, a lot of you." 
And he's sort of, <laughs> just like looks him up and down. And I didn't realise before, but that's Ben Gardner, who then later is the head in the yeah. boat. But um, but yeah, when he turns up and it's like, oh, the 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 police police chiefs just ask you to go, oh, get up, they're all gonna die. So- <laughs> I love it. It's that first shot as well. So before you see the chaos, you just see the harbour master walk out with a great big grin on his face. And then yeah. the camera pans around. It's just chaos all around him. Yeah. <laughs> and having and like in the middle of everything else, they're having to sort out a dispute of, yeah, but look, clearly he has to pull out. You yeah, have yeah. to let him go out before you can go out. And all these sort of things. And also, I want to go dynamite fishing. <laughs> I do feel that would be me in, in, a, in, in a long coat cackling at the end of the thing, just chucking dynamite into the bed. <laughs> oh, but yeah, they're just. But that again is part of his problem, like you say, Chris, is that Brody. Brody is authority, but he doesn't have the authority by being an outsider. Mm. So he doesn't feel quite able to exert that and go against, well, yeah. you know, the mayor, all the people who run the town, all the shopkeepers and everything, they're all like, look, you've got to keep this open. And mm. it's a very, you know, it's it's the wrong call, but it's the it's a you've got to make one or the other. Yeah. And it's probably it's probably the one certainly at that point that is going to cause you the least grief. Yeah, but at that after the first death, if you were to then shut it down, you could easily, if it turns out to not be anything too serious, you know, I don't know what else would explain it exactly, but you know, you then shown to be some sort of panic, um, you know, yeah, well, exactly, your, yeah. Like, you, you're you're not a good leader, so it's like it's very difficult. And actually, that's something that obviously this film so. I mean, they, I think it was like about for five years after the release, like mm. there were record downturns of beach holidays, <laughs> like across the world, because people had seen this and thought, fuck that for a game of soldiers. And <laughs> yeah, it genuinely, it had like a psychic resonance mm. across the globe of basically making people think, no, I'm not getting in the water, actually. No, 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 you're all right. <laughs> And, and again, back to cruelties and things like that, I certainly remember being maybe six or seven and in the bath and my mum doing the music to get me out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, again, again, logically, how was he going to get in the bath? Gotcha. I was a fat kid. I was taking up most of the bath as it is. <laughs> <laughs> Unless he was in there in the back going to soak me, you know. It's just... <laughs> um. I was going to ask Alex actually about the relationship between the three of them in the book compared to, because what I liked was when they all got in the boat at the beginning, or not in the beginning, but halfway through when they all get in the orca, they clearly all dislike each other and they've all got completely different, although they're all going out there for the same reason, they've yeah. all got their own kind of agenda. And it's it's that first evening when they all get drunk and start comparing scars and singing songs. It's the first time they all really get along well. And it's, I don't know, it's a kind of heartwarming moment after they've spent the whole day just at each other's front. Yeah, yeah. And they just all come round together and all of a sudden, luckily, just in time, they all stop bickering in time for the, the sharks to, to come out. But I wondered if 
if the book was the same, is it like half the book is the setup of pre the boat and then the rest of it is the boat? Because obviously you'd get a lot more of what yeah. thinking and things rather than... Well, it's, it's pretty much the same sort of dynamic once we're on the boat, but it's not as friendly because obviously mm. Hooper's been oh, yeah, of course, seeing yeah. Roden's wife, which of course they start fighting about and then Quint says, you know, we've got more important things to worry about. So it's not mm. quite the same sort of bonding friendly bit in it mm -hmm. there's still the same sort of at the end they all have to work together because well basically a common enemy isn't it yeah mm. i like i like that i like that though that the idea that quid was a, is a voice of reason in the book yeah. at that point. it's like yeah because yeah, he's <laughs> he is never at any point a voice of reason it's <laughs> I, <laughs> actually, I, I love the what it's a lovely little there's a lovely little bit though where you first get the sort of the other side of Quinn. And it's just the one bit where he says to him, look, Chief, if ask me what rope you need to pull. Yeah. You know, after like pulls the thing and the, the tanks go everywhere, like the compressed air tanks go everywhere. Yeah. And like Hooper's having a go at him saying, and he's like, look. but it's just like a little sort of thing of look, look, I'm gonna give him hard time, but you're all right. Yeah. You know, if you know, yeah, yeah. But that um and and also very well sets up again. It's like yeah, it's what's the, um, it's the uh, Chekhov's gun. It's like Chekhov's compressed air tank. Of sort of <laughs> like they tell you at that point that yeah, you these will blow up and cause a hell of a mess. At that point, so it's like ah, oh, there we go. That's going to come in handy a bit mm. later. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. You've got foreshadowing written down the side of the can. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this the other thing I loved as well is uh, the fact that Quint doesn't want to get them riled up too quickly. So when he first hooks the shark, you see him sitting in the seat, and you, obviously you see he gets a bite, and he just quietly hooks himself in with that leather strap, and then gets his feet yes. up on those stirrups, mm. and he's just and he doesn't say anything to anyone until he's mm. absolutely certain it's going to go. Yeah, and I love that setup on the boat. I was like. Oh, God, how much fun would it be to have a go at that? Like, I mean, it looks like a dentist chair just in the middle of the deck <laughs> just for bringing a thing. It just looks incredible. It's so good. And actually, I think that's possibly one of the, the cleverest things in it is because, like, obviously Brody doesn't like the sea. I mean, there's the lovely bit where mm. his wife's going, right, I've put your zinc oxide tablets in there for seasickness and yeah. I've done this and everything else. Like, <laughs> It's like his mum's taking him to, you know, to the school trip or something like that. <laughs> but so he's already quite, he's quite wary. Hooper's wary because, you know, he's aware of what they must be chasing after. Yeah. And Quint's quite sort of balls out and he remains balls out until it's like, we've put two barrels in it and it's gone down. And he's like, no. And it's at that point you see him just change of he's like right no i've not seen this mm -hmm. this is this is some this is something out of the ordinary and his whole demeanor changes towards it and actually that's the point where they all really mesh mm. as a team yeah. because it's like fuck we are going to have yeah. to work to get out of this this isn't going to be i've taken two silly asses out into the thing i'll solve this problem mm -hmm. And they've come along because they have to. And it's like, shit, no, we are going to have to, I'm going to need help for this because this is something 
extraordinary. But then he very, smashes the radio. That's the like. That's the thing. He's yeah. already realised this, this situation is way out of control. But I'm still going to pick up the Louisville Slugger and take out the radio so that nobody else can get involved because I'm fixing this shit. <laughs> I just love but that's, it. Again, that's that's the bit that's the bit that's Moby Dick though because there is almost like this sort of thing of wow. But if I do catch it, that's going to be. Yeah, this is the yeah. this is the pinnacle of my yeah. career. <laughs> this this is the or this is the addition to the already legend that I am. This is like the, <laughs> the crown the crowning achievement. Prince Polly. Um, now I don't know if anybody else noticed this. I don't know if it's significant, if it's in there for any reason, or if it's just something weird that I picked up on. Um, there's two scenes on the boat where you see shooting stars go by and they don't look real. They look like they've been CGI'd in, but I didn't get the significance of it. Did anybody else notice that? They are there. Yeah. yeah. I don't know um, any significance, but I think, I'm pretty sure they're added. Certainly one of them looks like it's been added in. Yeah, mm. which just made me think, If it seems like a strange thing to add in for no reason. I was like, maybe there's a... In, interestingly enough, Spielberg claims that they they just caught them. Mm. That was just a happy accident while they were filming. Oh, really? But but like you say, a lot of people, and I'm inclined to agree with them. It, it does look like it's an animation, or it's been added, or do you know yeah. what I mean? It doesn't look. Yeah. So I I wonder if he put those in. But he's put them in at points that don't really matter, so that he can say, "Oh, we just caught that." You know, that was that was just yeah. a happy accident or something like that. Or uh, it was ET's ship, and he put it in yeah, there as a little subtle nod yeah. to a pamphlet he read called yeah. "Sharks Eat Stuff," and one <laughs> of them was "Sharks Eat Aliens." Yes, of course. There we go. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you've. I'm glad you've actually ratified my book and recognised <laughs> the serious scientific fucking journal it was. You should have seen the peer reviews, especially if people said you can't draw faces, can you? Fuck off. No. <laughs> I've. Uh, I've. Been, I've been handed a. Well, I've been handed a phone by my scientific advisor here. Um, a happy accident it may have been, but it sparked off a recurring theme. This is the shooting stars. Along with close encounters and jaws, shooting stars can also be seen in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom mm. uh, and the Adventures of Tintin. Uh, mm. Some have also suggested they're mm. visible in Hook and uh, Saving Private Ryan. But so far, I haven't been able to find any clear cut evidence for either. But apparently, so by the looks of it, Spielberg does bung in shooting stars. Because mm. either that or, like you say, he is the most buzzed celebrity this side of Whitley Strieber. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's not, you know, he's seeing that much going on. Excellent, thank you very much, there, to our off-screen scientific advisor for uh, yeah for doing what thank I should have done, rather than just writing a note and then jumping on Adam. When he wasn't <laughs> expecting it, really. But, uh... And the the other bit that I don't know, I mean, I, I know I know Alex will be aware, but the Indianapolis story that's a real yeah. event. Oh, really? That was a real thing that took place. Basically, it's a, there was a, um, and Robert Shaw wrote that. Apparently, he was like, "There's John Milius reckons he wrote it as well," uh, but apparently, most people agree that Robert Shaw sort of rewrote it on set and did it. Um, 
But yeah, the um, it was a genuine event that took place on the 30th of July, not the 29th of June, as he says in it, but basically everything else is the same. And um, which also, according to, there's a bit where you see the date of, it's like when Alex Kidner gets killed, there's the date on the wall. And so that would make that the 30th anniversary of the Indianapolis. If, if it was on the oh, date okay. that they say in the film rather than the actual date it was. Oh, but yeah, it was, it was a cruiser, yeah, crossing the Philippine Sea, was struck by two torpedoes from a Japanese submarine. Uh, basically, the ship, because it was, this was obviously during World War II, they'd built up the top of the ship. They'd put so many extra guns and armaments on it that it became top heavy. So they they blasted it and basically the thing the thing sunk in twelve minutes like he says in the film. God. And where was it? Um, of the one thousand one hundred ninety five crewmen, I mean this thing's like a, Clark, a Portland class heavy cruiser, it's like six hundred feet long. This ship, um, yeah, of the one thousand one hundred ninety five crewmen on board, approximately three hundred went down with the ship, and the rest of them were set adrift, mostly without life jackets. Um, and but due to an assumption by naval command tracking in the area that larger vessels would arrive on time unless told otherwise, the ship was cleared off the positioning board, and they sat there for three and a half days before someone spotted them. Yeah. Oh my hmm. god! And yeah, and basically, uh, and where is it? Yeah, nearly nine hundred men set adrift, and three hundred and sixteen survived. Hmm. And along along with sharks thirst, dehydration, salt poisoning and, water, and exposure. Because you think about it, it's sat, it's like literally sat there, like sat bobbing yeah. in the ocean for three, three and a half days. Mm. And um, yeah, so it really does come. And, and they had, they had been uh, transporting parts for the uh, little boy nuclear bomb. Yeah, so that's why they were like they were kind of secret coded, but um, so yeah, that whole thing that's genuinely true. So, when but I even like that where Hooper just immediately drops when he's like, You're on the Indianapolis, yeah, because it yeah. is quite you know, is especially amongst like sort of naval disasters and sharks and things like that, it's a very well known story and well known place and event. Well, apparently, the um. The instructions on how to behave when you're attacked by a shark then was to splash as much as possible as well to scare them off. Oh, yeah, well, obviously really? just them even more. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. It's like ducking cover all over again, isn't it? Yeah. Just stand up and simply wipe the fallout off you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, I mean I mean that is and again, it's these sort of weird little touches where it comes from. That, that obviously comes from a real life story. And, but again, you kind of get more of an idea of why Quint is the way he is. Because mm. yeah. you don't, let's face it, that's not something you go through and come out either the same or indeed normal. Mm. And yeah, I think that it sort of puts so much into why Quint is the way he is. And the, yeah. the, so the fact that he doesn't bring it up, although they're exchanging scars, it's actually Brody who says, "What's that on your arm?" Mm. 
So he doesn't, it isn't something he would have brought up or talked about at all. He'd rather have just no. kind of let it go under the radar, really. Um, so, yeah. I, I also I also love the fact that Brody looks at his appendix scar, thinks about <laughs> it, and then decides, no, no, I'm not going to tell as you say, it's it's like little... as a shark and everything. <laughs> no, no. It's, it's those little comedy moments, isn't it? The same as you know when Quint gives him the booze that he's made, and Hooper goes to drink it, and Brody says, "Don't drink that." He just takes it off. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I love I love that when when Hooper comes to his house when he's saying to him, "You're going to be the last sane man on this island um, <laughs> when I go." And it's just he hands hands at the bottle and he just pours himself a pint of red wine. Yeah. I've been to my brother's, he's done that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I have a glasses, it was even about all the area later. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so uh I think we should probably wrap it up there. Um Thanks ever so much, Alex, for uh, for bringing this yeah. to our attention. Um oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. I, I can't so... believe I've gone so many years <laughs> thinking I, I know this film and then watching it and going, don't remember mm. any of that at all. And it's such an absolute stone-cold classic. It's, mm. yeah, I, I'm remiss to have not been watching it. I'm gutted that it... I've missed out on it. But, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that's the effect that we've given certainly to you and Chris. Excellent. Be because it is a genuinely like this is so well put together this is mm -hmm. such a good film on pretty much every level yeah and, 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 what's and the, again, you could almost almost just make a little edit and jennifer could watch it yeah there's not that <laughs> much yeah. we did discuss it i did try and talk her into it because i said it'd be good for her to get up so mm. lady jennifer has got a fear of sharks to the point where if you draw a kid's stick drawing oh. of a, a shark, she will scream if you see yeah. it unexpectedly. She really? so, so she wouldn't have liked my book with its artistic... <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> with the aliens, no, no. Um, but so she did talk about it, but then what she said is, to get over it, she'd be better off watching a documentary or something, she said, because mm. I want to keep watching sharks until they don't scare me. And this film is designed to be a horror film. So it is intentionally, you know, suspenseful yeah. and, and creates tension. She said, so this would be the worst possible thing to watch. So uh, we <laughs> did have a discussion and she did think about it for three days and then she pantsed it and decided not to. <laughs> See, she, it's, it's, good, it's good that she is a psychologist, is that she's only fully aware. It's like, yeah, why would I watch the film that is basically meant to make me afraid of sharks yeah if i'm afraid of sharks <laughs> which incidentally is galliophobia oh is oh. the sharks there we go so she's got galliophobia i'll tell her but, that next time next time she screams at 11 o'clock at night yeah. and throws new scientist across the bedroom which is one of her new scientists seem to put a shark in put on every, every single yeah. month yeah, but that's only because that's only because I've subscribed her to Shark Monthly <laughs> and asked them to put it in the sleeve of, of New Science. Oh, is it like a Christmas story? You're like going to her favourite article and sliding shark pages in to drive. Yeah, that's what... <laughs> actually, actually, although her saying about watching a shark documentary, 
Um, just as a recommendation, don't bother watching Johnny Rotten on Sharks. Because uh, um, he, did, he did it, and there's just one bit where he's looking at a poster and he's going, more, and what is it, is more people are killed by toasters every year that are injured by sharks. I don't <laughs> see people hunting down toasters. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but Johnny, more people come into contact with a toaster than a fucking shark in a year. <laughs> you know, so there's, you know, it's not the greatest statistic, mate. <laughs> to be fair, you have just sold me on watching that, though. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to watch Trot, if you want to watch, actually, I mean, weirdly enough, I mean, I think he, I think he feels a kinship with the shark, but it's somewhere, it feels a bit like Ash in Alien. I think he admired <laughs> purity, you know. <laughs> um, yes. So, uh, so on that note, uh, we'll be back in two weeks' time. Uh, we will have another guest on our next episode. Um, Adam's looking uncertain. We're hoping to have another no, guest. No, sorry, I, dro- I dropped my. I've got. I've basically right. got a water bottle which is half full of uh, one big slab of ice, uh, and it just came loose. And I was like, "You were in the middle of talking." And it just went. <laughs> so oh. I thought that might have come through the microphone. <laughs> sorry. Oh no, no, that's what. I thought you were doing one of those. No, no, he said he can't make it. Where have you been? Why haven't you been reading the memos? You thought that looked. <laughs> um, so, uh, so Wesley from the Moss Eisley Happy Hour will be joining us on our next episode. Um, and he has requested that we cover Village of the Damned from 1960. Oh, I have Yeah. I see Alex is approving of that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Excellent. Yeah. Again, it's another one of those films that doesn't come off the shelf as often as it should. I think I, I think I bought the two of them, watched them back to back, and I don't think I've watched them again since. So, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it'll be good to go back to them. Um, thank you ever so much for joining us this evening, Alex. Uh, we really appreciate. It. It's been lovely to have you on. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And also, just thank you for. All the support you give us, man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no worries, mate. Very, very true. It's very, yeah. It means it abs- means the absolute fucking world to us, mate. Mm. So, cool. yeah. Well, I love listening to you, chat. <laughs> we very much appreciate that. We we do wonder if anyone's really out there listening, or if we're just on playlist. <laughs> and every time we get hit, they go, "Nope," and just skip us because you've no way of telling on SoundCloud. I mean, it's it's uh, yeah, anyone's guess. So, yeah, we do very much appreciate all your support. <laughs> Thank you. Um, uh, yeah, and we'll uh, we'll definitely have to arrange something and have you back again if you'd be interested. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe yeah anything you fancy covering, man, just let us know and we'll be. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'll have to have a dunk. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I was going to say folk horror is something we've not yeah. covered as much as we'd like. So. Uh, well, yes. and and Chris did Chris did buy me a very folk horror thing on Blu-ray that I've saved until Ooh. now. So. Oh, yeah, well, I'll just say it's, it's the most obvious one, but we've never covered it, so and, no, you haven't. Doing, and I'm saying the original, not the remake with Nicolas Cage and some, yeah, beef. and, and the beef. Oh, yeah, yeah I'll now. there we go. Yeah, Penny's dropped. Yeah. I'm so yeah. sometimes. <laughs> cool, anyway. So, thanks ever so much for listening. Thanks again to Alex, and we'll see you all next week. Night. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.